Thank you, brother. If you want to be turning in your Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter 3, we'll pick up where we left off a couple of weeks ago. We left off where Paul was about to establish three points. He has been questioning. He's been writing questions to the church. Well, he's writing questions to the church at Galatia, but honestly, anytime I look at these letters that anything is written to the church, I don't just see it written to the church at Galatia or at Corinth or anywhere else. I believe it's written to the church. I believe it was written to the church as a whole because the church at Galatia didn't experience any problems that we don't experience. The church at Rome didn't experience anything different, maybe more persecution. If anything, they had some more severe issues. But these are letters to the church. God used the hands of his men and he touched them and then he wrote letters to the church. And in Paul in verse number five, he asked him the question, he that ministered to you in the spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law? Or by the hearing of faith. Remember this whole part of this discussion. I know I've been gone for a couple of weeks. But this whole part of this discussion is about the difference between law and, and between faith. These Jews, these Judaizers have come in and they're pushing the law. And they're talking about circumcision. They're trying to, to bring the law back in on top of this Gentile church. And then in verse number 7, while I left out verse 6, where, where they talked about even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. These these Judaizers, they boast themselves that they are of Abraham's seed. And, and, and Paul says, even Abraham, it was about faith. And then in verse 7, we get to where we, we left off there at the three points. Paul, the first one he makes, is about faith. He says, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. So remember in the Gospels, the, the Jews, they boasted even to Jesus himself about how they were Abraham's seed. They, they came from, from Abraham and, and his descendants. And, and Jesus told them point blank, if, if, you were, if you were truly of Abraham, then you'd do like Abraham. If you, were, if you were truly of Abraham, you, you would believe like Abraham. It was John chapter 8, verse 39. They told him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you'd do the works of Abraham. See, bottom line, Abraham believed God. And, and Jesus makes it clear that just because you may have some physical attachment to Abraham through a, a, fear, a, a physical birth chain, a physical family tree... That gives you no special rights with God. Abraham believed God, and that is what was imputed unto him as righteousness. In John 8, verse 44, he told me, he said, You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you'll do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar. He's the father of it. If you remember these same Pharisees, they came out when John the Baptist was baptizing. And, and he told them in Matthew chapter 3, verse number 9, the forerunner of Christ himself said, Think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. So the Jews, they like to brag about, you know, we're the seed of Abraham and we, we fall under that tree. But that does nothing for, for their spiritual life. Paul points out that it's by faith. It's by faith that Abraham believed. And that, that's why God called him righteous. Listen, it doesn't matter what your physical pedigree looks like. It, it doesn't matter who you have in your physical family tree. Uh, this discussion came up with an individual recently wanted to tell me about how his grandfather was this and his uncle was that. And he wanted to talk about 
preachers and missionaries and singers in this family. And I wanted, I wanted to, I want to say, brother, listen, you want to do comparables? We get out some family trees. I, I got more preachers in my body. You go to the Bush family, my mom's side of the family, more preachers, and I know how to count. There's gospel singers. Michael, they just bought a new book. I told y'all they're the burning bushes. Their last name's Bush and just bought a new a new bus and traveling and singing and evangelist and your pedigree does you nothing. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ through faith, then you have nothing. How many of you got stacked up up? And that's what the Jews are counting on. They're counting on we're from Abraham and Jesus like big deal. If you're like Abraham, then be like Abraham and believe God. That's what it was. It was that was imputed under righteousness. So, so Paul is saying, just being kin to Abraham, that's not going to get you anything. Just being in there, you got to have this relationship. So Paul, he's pointed out about faith. And then the second, he, he points out the foundation. Verse number eight, he says, The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. That, that's from Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And in all and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. That, that is a sure foundation. That is a promise that God has made. We, we are all going to be brought into a spiritual life the same way as Abraham. It's by faith. It's by simply believing God. Paul said that God would justify the heathen through faith. And then he, he really continues to, to drive home the, the point of faith because it was always God's intention that the Gentiles would be justified by faith. But because God is omniscient, he already knows, and because God is omnipresent, he's already there, God already knew. We talked about a Sunday morning. The cross was no surprise to God. Adam's sin was no surprise to God. Everything before the foundation of the world. That I said that's why that God separated dark from lightness. It was a physical picture of our spiritual life that those things be separated. So God already knew in the beginning that, that it was going to be faith. God, God knows before time ever arrives. And so God had a plan and faith was the plan from the beginning. We didn't just happen to land here by faith. We just ha didn't just happen to land here needing to, to make a decision by faith. We sit all the way back when Abraham had to make a choice to leave his father's house. And, and, and we know how he took him with him for a while. But everything was that he believed God. So that has been extended to you and I. It's simple. You either believe God or you don't. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth is out, form, void, dark, point. You either believe it or you don't. It's all about you believe God. If you find anything in here, well, so I believe everything, but I'm not sure about this, then you're not sure about God. If you find one thing in here that you've got a question about, you go, well, I just, I, and I, I've, I've had this conversation, and, and I hate it because I sure would love to see this fellow get saved, and he, he truly believes with all his heart that he's going to go to heaven and his works, and he, he'll do things for me, and then say, make sure you put in a good word for him. I said, my word for you ain't worth two cents. My word to you means a whole lot more than my word for you. My word to you, and he gets things right, but he thinks he's got it right because he, he does things. And I'm sorry, I'm not casting a stone over in the Methodist, but that's where he's from, and that's where he's getting that stuff, and he's basing so, so many things on work. But he'll bring it up. He'll say, well, you know, I mean, like you take that story in the Bible, and, and I mean, he'll just, I mean, just to say, 
Some said, like, like they, that, that giant couldn't have really been that big. Well, I mean, God gave me a description of how big the giant was. Or either he couldn't have, he, that little boy, he couldn't have really just killed him with one rock. Well, yeah, you understand? You either believe it or you don't. You believe from in the beginning to amen, and you don't believe nothing. Abraham believed God. End of story. There's no question. There's no doubt. And that's what he's trying to establish. You either believe God or you don't. It don't matter if you can to Abraham. It, it don't matter if Billy Graham's your daddy and how many souls he reached, how many preached to. You got to believe God. You got to trust God. And that's what he's telling them right here. He's bringing up. Listen, this is all about faith. The, the blessings that God bestowed on Abraham because of his faith is now bestowed on everybody for the same thing. It is by faith that we are justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. And Lord God knows that ain't true. Verse number 10. Paul brings up the curse of the law. <laughs> so he's been talking about the law. He's been talking about the difference between um, the, the law and, and, and grace and <laughs> all the things that are there. And he says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So Paul's pointing out to the church. Why would you even want to be placed back under the law that you've been delivered from? Why would you want to be placed back under that, that law and, and all the things that had to take place? Why would you want to listen to these Jews who are simply trying to impose laws on you that they couldn't keep? Je Jesus said, you can't keep one of them. You bind men with burdens that you yourselves can't keep. You don't even try to keep them. And Paul said, why, why, would, you, why would you listen to them? They're, they're trying to put things on you that they themselves couldn't keep. He, he's probably like, have they told you about Deuteronomy 27, 26, cursed be he that confirmeth not all of the words of this law to do them. <laughs> you know, Deuteronomy chapter 27, there's at least a dozen curses. Chapter 28, there's at least another half dozen. Paul's probably like, did, did they bother to tell you about all that? Did, did your Jewish friends, while they're trying to get you to follow along here, did they tell you about all the curses involved? Did they bother to tell you that if you were under any of the law, then you were under all of the law? Did they bother to tell you that if you're going to say it's not grace, if you're going to add one piece of one piece of law, if you're going to add one piece of work, if you are grace plus anything, then grace is gone. If you're going to bring in any of the law, then the word of God says it's all of the law. Did they bother to tell you that? Did they bother to tell you that if you're under the law and you break any one of the law, you are now burnt, you're burdened with the entire curse of all the law? If, if you break any of it, <coughs> it says, for it is written, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Did they tell you about that? So verse number 11, Paul says, no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. That's nothing new. That's not a revelation. Paul didn't just pull that up out of work. He brought it from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. The, the word live there, that's referring to, to future life. We shall live. That, that's referring to our eternal life. So the contrast here is not between just believing and unbelieving. The contrast is between eternal death and eternal life. 
the, the contrast that is, is eternal differences that, that you get this right. So, so Paul is, is dealing with the issue of them putting the law in the place of trust. So, so he emphasizes the importance of faith, not works, faith, not law, faith. It's not about keeping the Sabbath day. It, 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 it's not about keeping the Feast of Weeks. It's not about the days of unleavened bread. It's not about keeping and bringing in your sacrificial lamb to the priest and making sure you get all of your sacrifices done. It's not, it's not about trying to, to bring that. It's about faith in the one who has already fulfilled all of the law. It's about faith in the one who came in and fulfilled all things. Now, verse number 12 here in Galatians chapter 3 is another Old Testament quote from the book of Leviticus chapter 18. Paul says that the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Chapter 18, verse 5 of Leviticus. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments. If a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. See, the law says... If a man do, the key word is do. It's all about do. Everything is about do. Exodus chapter 18, verse 20 says, I shall teach them ordinances and laws and shall show them the way wherein they must walk and, and the work that they must do. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 8, you shall keep my statutes and do them. Leviticus 25, 18, wherefore you shall do my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. Exodus 19, verse 8, all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. The law is all about doing. That's just a very small sampling of a handful of do. The law is all about what you have to do. Faith is all about believing in what has already been done. The law is, can you keep up the works? Can you keep in line? Can you do it? The answer is no. If you could keep the law, then Jesus came in vain. If it could be done by mortal man, then Jesus had no reason to come do it for us. The fact is we can't keep the law, but, but that's what the law is. It's all about do. Faith in Jesus is all about done. It, it, it's, it's by faith that we, we crossed over from death unto life. We crossed from, from trying unto trusting. We crossed over from, from doing into believing. We crossed over from trying to do into just believing Jesus. I, I, I read a thing that talked about D.L. Moody, and he told a story about a revival that he preached. And, and he did a, a revival multiple nights. And <clears throat> according to his story, apparently this young man that, that was lost in his sins came to every night of the revival. And every night he stayed and he listened to the message. And every night he, he listened to the invitation, but he walked away lost. And on the final night of the revival, he came and he stayed all the way through the invitation. And he just wouldn't give in except Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. And he left the revival. The crews were working. They had everything packed up. D.L. Moody said he was just about to leave. And the young man apparently couldn't take it anymore. Y'all know how the Holy Spirit to get in the car with you, don't you? Y'all had the Holy Spirit get in the car with you? You try to drive past somebody because you ain't got time to change no flat tire for nobody. And the Lord says, you're going to change four if you don't stop. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Holy Spirit got in, got in the car with him. He turned around, he comes back, and he comes back to Dr. Moody. And he says, sir, what can I do? To be saved. And Dale Moody said. I'm sorry son. That you're too late. There's nothing you can do. 
And the young man, he's like, but, 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 but you, you've, been, you've been given an invitation. I, I heard what you said. Surely, surely there's something I can do. He says, no. No, you're about 2,000 years too late to do anything. Now, if you're willing to just trust Jesus Christ and accept the free gift of God, you've come to the right place. But if you come looking to do, you got here too late. See, that, 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 that's what Paul is trying to express to the church through this letter to the church at Galatia. It's not about what you can do. It's about who you believe. It's not about what you've done. It's about who you've trusted. Everything's about Christ. Everything's about grace. Thank you, Father. So Paul goes on in verse number 14. Actually, I haven't done 13 yet, have I? Verse 13 and 14, he says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Verse 14, The blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise through the, uh, of the Spirit through faith. You know, we looked at it a couple weeks ago. Paul has already spoken of Abraham and, and the seed of Abraham. And, and here he brings up Abraham and, and the Savior. And, and once Paul has, has reminded the church of the curse that is associated with the law, now he shows them the burden that was removed by Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Now, that, that's a big deal for Saul of Tarsus. We, I, I realize this is impossible to even to get close. But, but try to somehow put yourself over here in the apostle. Well, he wasn't the apostle Paul. He was Saul of Tarsus. And try to put yourself in the position of Saul of Tarsus. I hate this man, Jesus. He, he's a blasphemer. I hate these ones called Christians. I hate these ones coming out. I, I am following God. And I'm following God so much so that I am going to beat, torture, and possibly even kill those who stand on this name, Jesus. Now, this is a big hang-up for Paul because Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 22 and 23 says, If a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be to be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree. But thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God. That the land be not defiled which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. So even if Saul could find some kind of common ground. Jesus died on a tree. According to him Jesus was cursed. Of God, even, even if talking to a Christian, if he could find some kind of common ground in the life of Jesus, he can't find any in the death of Jesus. It would have been trumped by the fact that, that he, he died on a tree. He, he was crucified, hanged on a tree. So in the mind of Saul, you understand prior to the road to Damascus, in the mind of Saul, before he met Jesus, Everything changes when you meet Jesus, right? Everybody, if you're a child of God, you have your own road to Damascus. 
Somewhere along the way in your life, Jesus met you on the way to a wrong direction or going to a place for the wrong reason, and, and there's a U-turn in your life. We all, we all have a road to Damascus experience, amen? We, we may not have seen Jesus, and we may not have been to the exact, but we all, we all before Jesus, things were different. After Jesus, we, we, in the filling of the Holy Spirit, we see things different. So, so before he met Jesus, he's looking at, at Jesus that, that he died in the way that God himself calls a curse. But now that he's met Jesus, now that he's seen the nail prints and he can't deny who he is, he knows exactly who it is. Now he understands what it meant when Jesus said, it is finished. See, Paul understands, and he's trying to help the church understand, that it was necessary for Jesus to die under the curse to fulfill the curse. So, so Jesus could bear the, the curse for us. For the curse to be fulfilled was the only way that the curse would not be passed to you and I. So, so Jesus didn't just fulfill all of the law. He fulfilled all the curse on our behalf. He took all of my curse. He, he didn't just fulfill the law to show me how to do things. He, he filled my curse so that I don't have. He filled our curse so that we don't have to. He took my torture, my pain, my suffering. He took what I deserve, what I ought to get. He took it from me. And had he not paid the curse, then the curse still is on me. So, so Saul is trying to explain to the church what, what come to the law, that, that, that Jesus died in, in our place and, and all of the curse was poured out onto him. So, so Jesus not only fulfills the law, he fulfills the curse. He didn't just die for us, he died as us. He truly died in our place with all of the curse of the law dumped out on him instead of us. Somebody ought to be happy. Verse number 14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The, the promise of the Spirit, Jesus, I'll go to the Father. The Father's going to send you another comfort. It's going to come. The Holy Spirit has come so that you and I are, are born again. That, that which Adam and Eve did, that, that, that which died in them can now be made new in us. So when we receive Christ, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that puts us into that mystical body of Christ called the church. Anybody thankful to be a, a member of the body of Christ? And it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. Little finger, little toe. I'm just thankful to be part of the family. Amen. And he says all of it's usable. So it really don't matter. None of us have an excuse. So, so when, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We have that, that renewing of, of the Spirit. We have the Spirit of God living in us. So it gives us access to the wisdom of God. If any man like wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally upbraideth not. We, we have that access. We have that access to the throne room of grace that we might obtain mercy. We have, we have access to, to the power of God. We have and through, through prayer that we can pray for the sick and, the, and that we can pray for God's hand, that we can pray for a hedge of protection, traveling to Detroit and trust God to go before him and prepare the road and go with him and keep a hedge that, that we have access to, to all of the things of God, even the knowledge of God and the blessings of God and all the things that he gives us through his word. It gives us a new life and not just in this life, 
I'm, I'm thankful for a new life in this life, but I'm probably more thankful for the new eternal life. But, but because the new life in this life, you can kind of limp along and probably get through and sin has its pleasures for a season. So you could find some happy moments, but there ain't no happy moments in the eternal life if you're on the wrong side of that one. So, so it's not just this life, but it, it's the eternity that, that has changed it. A, a, a life that, that has no end and we live forever in the presence of God. I, I don't know how to explain that because it's just like God, it's unexplainable. I, I don't know what it's going to be like when I see him. I, I, don't, I don't know what it's going to be like the first time I, I see the face of Jesus. I don't know what it's going to be like the first time I feel the warmth of the love of God when you come into heaven. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Can, can you even imagine as you begin to approach in that light, that city where there's no dark and they need no light, and, and the light of the Lord does light? Can you imagine when that, that pure light, Paul and I talked about it the other day about the darkness and the Egyptians and the darkness that was on the Egyptians when the children of God were in the light. And Paul was talking about it was the darkness they could feel. It's so dark they could feel it. And there's a dividing light. You got God's people in the light and you got them in the darkness. It was a darkness they could, could feel. Um, imagine when, when we start approaching glory, a light that you can feel. You feel the warmth and you feel the love of God. There is no resistance. There is no Satan. There is no world. There is no flesh. It's all being removed and you begin to feel the purity of, of that Warmth. Boy, it kind of makes leaving here not seem so bad all of a sudden, don't it? Paul says, we can have all that Abraham was promised and even more through salvation, through grace, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's asking the church, why would you even want to go back to the law? Why, why, would, why would you even want to go back to those things? Look at what you've been given. You, you, you've, been, you've been given way more than a get-out-of-jail-free card. I mean, you've been, given, you've been given an erase of all your past and even the things you're going to do between now and then and a free home in heaven. I'm, I'm not going to try to um, open up this next part. I'm, I'm going to read. I'm, I'm going to what I'm going to do, I'm going to read right here these next several verses. And Lord willing, we'll pick up here. In a couple weeks, but it, it opens up to a new that if I, I start, I won't have time to really finish anything. So I'll just tell you verse 15, brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now, Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith, not to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed. Confirmed before God, or before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed shall come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been given by the law. 
The scripture hath concluded under, uh, all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might have been given to them that believe. Before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we're no longer under the schoolmaster. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. Ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So Lord, Lord willing, I'm going to pick up there at verse 15 in a couple of weeks. And, and we'll look and those, that section of verses right there is probably, I would say, at least two weeks, maybe three weeks. There's just a lot in there. But next week, we do have one of our missionaries with us. Christy McLaughlin will be with us. Um, we had it set up a little bit. Listen, you, you don't want to miss it. I, I love bringing our missionaries in and you get to see it. This, this, this isn't, matter of fact, we talked about in a staff meeting. I want to I wanna find a way to share things with you guys that, honestly, this church does. There's just, I talk about in a staff meeting, there's, I'm, I'm always excited about something, and, and I never really know how to relate it, but there's so many things going on, and, and I don't even, a lot of them, as we talked about in a meeting, a lot of them, the church don't even know a lot of stuff that goes on. A lot of the places that this church puts money and a lot of things in this town that this church supports and, and things to try it again. So I, I really want I really want to find a way. And Larry used the word braggadocious. How do you, how do, you do it without sounding braggadocious? Um, and, 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 I, and I don't want to do that, but I, I do think the church needs to know where your money goes and, and not just investments and stuff in the land sale. I think prior to that, you, you need to know the ministries that we support in this town and the ministries of this church and the nursing home ministries and the, and the feeding by faith and the new ministries that we need to serve in and be a part of and, and to make a difference in people's lives right here in this town. And, and yes, Costa Rica matters, but Costa Rica is not the only thing we have going on. We've been working to build a house for Lord knows a year and a half that we seem like been falling every corner, but I mean, we mentioned to you guys probably eight months ago. To be honest, we got a work day coming up in probably three or four weeks. I'm going to need people to go out on a Saturday and clean up at, at a new house construction site. And it's something that we're working to do to build a house where somebody desperately needed a house that had pathetic living conditions. And, and, and there's, there's just things. But when, when our missionaries come in, it, it gives us an opportunity to see how God is also using this church to reach all the way over there, to reach to places we can't go. And y'all, y'all judge me how you will. I'm going to go ahead and say it like I mean it to places I don't want to go. There's places on that map that this one right here ain't lost nothing. I ain't got to go back looking for. God ain't giving me no desire to go to a lot of those places. I do have a desire to go back and take some folks to some places. And Costa Rica is one of them, but just to take some teams. But, but man, there's people putting their life on the line over there for the gospel. And, and when our missionaries come in, we, we get to see what God's doing. And to be honest, that, that's what you get to see through your support. So I'm pretty excited about having her here with us next Wednesday night. I hope all of you will be there. I, I'm, I'm not going to say I think you'll get a blessing. I know you'll get a blessing if you'll be here and, and be a part of it. So Lord willing, um, Sunday morning, we, we're, we're going we're gonna to look at the subject of revival. Anybody know what a revival is? 
Well, it carries a lot of different, a lot of different descriptions. I guess it all depends on what you want to look at. But we're we're going to look at. Uh, Lord willing, nothing changes, and I, I hope it don't, since I've already sent Dale the outline, and it's already starting toward getting the bulletin printed. But that'll be okay. If God changes that, you just won't have an outline. Uh, that'll be the worst thing that ever happened. But um, it's, it's, it's a good follow-up for me for what God showed me last week about the light. I'm not sure how many of you was on that text thread that went out this morning. There was a lot of men. It's one of the men text threads, but... It went out, and I loved it. it. went out early, and it talked about the message from Sunday and the light. And, hey, let's be a light for the Lord today and let it shine. You're on there. I remember saying the comment. Matter of fact, I responded to your comment because the comment said the pastor challenged us, and it went into all this, all this, all this. Well, that's about five or six people put. I, I couldn't help but say, hey, there's only one minor modification. pastor didn't challenge nobody to nothing. The Holy Spirit challenged us. Me included, to let our light so shine among men and, and to spend more time in this book and more time in prayer that we be a, a brighter light in a dark in a dark world. And so um, all through that study, the Lord already had the follow-up to, to the message for Sunday. So Lord willing to see you guys there next Wednesday night. We'll be right here. If you get a chance to help any on the trail, there are some lists out here. They're still there, right, Paul? There's a list of things on the trail. Honestly, you can probably show up by yourself. But there's a lot of stuff that's just moving kind of stuff you can be done if you can help there at all. On um, next Thursday, y'all remember the concert, right? Anybody coming to the concert? Anybody know who David Phelps is? Y'all know David Phelps. You've never listened to Southern Gospel music, man. He's top of the chart. Go on our website. Look at the commercial. Look at the advertisement. You'll learn about who he is, and you'll hear some of his songs. Amazing. If you don't have tickets, I hope you'll get tickets. We don't have any control over that. We're just hosting this event for them. So we do have tickets in-house. I'll tell you that. You can buy them here Sunday, but you also can go online, davidphelps.com, and, and buy tickets there. I hope you can be here next Thursday for that. And then as soon as we finish that, that following Monday, this stage disappears. Well, at least the bigger portion of it does and all that back there. So on that Monday, I mentioned it to you guys because a lot of the workforce comes here on that Monday. That'll be the 12th, isn't it, Paul? Monday the 12th. We're going to have a work down here. We could use some help to take a whole lot of this stuff out to make a way to start building some new and kind of, kind of upgrade the situation up here a little bit. So anyway... God, God, God's got us busy. So if you, if you can't be here and do the work, do, do us a favor and pray. Because you've heard me say a lot of times, if you're not careful, you get so busy in the work of the Lord that you forget about the Lord of the work. I don't want to be guilty of that. I want to make sure we get that time every morning alone with the Lord. But you can get so busy working that you forget about praying until that hammer hits you on the thumb or something. And then you can pray for a few minutes while you're getting over it. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for being so good. Thank you, Father, for giving us things to do, God. Our plate truly is full. And God, I thank you for it, Lord. I, I look at so many different people I see right here in this building that, that are head over so many different ministries. There's so many things that I don't even know half your church knows is going on here, Father. But it's you working 
through your people, and I see it, God. I see them serving, and I see them being a light in dark places. And, Lord, I pray you'd pour your blessings out on each one of them. Father, I pray you you pour your blessings out on, on those here tonight, every family represented, God. I pray you'd help us to go out and be pleasing to you, Lord. I pray you put a hedge of protection about this church, about this campus. There's a lot of work going on, a lot of equipment, a lot of stuff, a lot of things, Father. But it means it, it means nothing, Father, if you just put a hedge about it and keep us safe as we go about your work. Lord, I pray forward. I know October seems a long way off, but it's going to be here quick, Lord Jesus, if you tarry. And you don't come get us, October's going to show up quick. Lord, I pray ahead, would you be working on souls right now? I pray you'd be preparing hearts and people. And, and people right now have no idea they're even going to be in LaGrange, Georgia, and come October. But you do, Father. I pray you'd work it out. I pray there'd be a great harvest, Father. We'll be careful to give you all the praise, honor, and glory. You and you alone are worthy. We love you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.